you know why and it's this perfect storm and and that's really where we are right now we are in a and not in a good perfect but a bad perfect storm hey everybody this is jim with nest realty this week on sweat the details jonathan keith and i talk about what many of us are seeing around the country inventory builders labor climate change all sorts of related topics we'd love to hear what you're seeing in your markets and we hope you enjoy the conversation guys welcome back to sweat the details uh good to be sitting around the table with keith and jonathan um what are we talking about today jonathan inventory oh fun the there's challenges. lots of it. it's gonna there's be a pretty so short much. conversation yeah <laughs> sold out i was joking with somebody the other day it was like what, what happens if real estate just sold out and there was, instead of for sale signs you would be driving around town and and there would just be sorry this town is sold out <laughs> of real estate you know, go to the next go to the next town well, I know some some people in in the Charlottesville area who would love to say we're sold out and no more people are allowed to come. It's yeah. like a T Swizzle concert. There you go. No, I mean I think you know around the country we're seeing shortages of inventory and there just are not enough homes to buy. Um, you know we're seeing, you know we're still seeing the you know escalation clauses and multiple offers and buyers are not able to find a house that they're looking for. Um, I've represented a number of buyers over the few years that just can't find anything. Uh, or they've lost and they got tired and frustrated and they, and they gave up and either didn't move here or they continued to rent. Um, I mean, what, Keith, what, why? I mean, what in your, from your lens, why do we not have enough inventory? Too many buyers and too few homes. Um, no, have the, a great day, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the end. No, I think the, there are a couple of pieces to think about. Number one is what's enough homes. And I think that's part of, of what we need to define is what's enough homes. So, you know, when we all got into the the business 15, 20 years ago, everyone said six months is a is a balanced market. If there's more than six months supply, meaning if we're selling, if every single home that was listed on the market sold at an even rate in six months, we'd be out of inventory, right? So if we're at six months, that's a quote balanced market. The reality is it has been since 2018 since we've even seen a four-month supply in the state of Virginia. Now, I don't have the, the numbers for North Carolina or any of the other states in which we operate, but in Virginia, where it's been 2018, five years now since we've even seen a four-month supply. We're currently on an uptick at 1.2 months. So we've got about a 40-day supply of homes, and that is just, that's nothing. I mean, that really is is tiny. So what is what has driven it? We, if we go back to 2005, 2006, when we were having the heyday run up of things, builders were were all going crazy. They were constructing as fast as they could get lots available to them. They were selling everything. We had a balanced market. When the Great Recession hit, so many builders either pulled back dramatically, went out of business, changed to a different building model where they weren't doing spec homes. They were doing construction on demand. They were waiting until they had contracts. And the number of builders that were out there and the amount of financial resources that were being put into those constructions just meant that we were dramatically on a downturn of not building enough homes for new for new household creations. So you wrote a paper years ago yep. about the local builders and how many there were and then what sure. happened. What were the, do you yeah, remember so, those numbers? Um, I don't, I'm not gonna get the numbers completely right, but we looked at 2005 to 2009 the difference in the number of home builders active in the marketplace and what was, what it, you know, I think that there were like 13 or 14 home builders that comprised the top 75% of sales within the Charlottesville market. By 2009, it was three. Right. 
and the consolidation that took place, we lost so many local home builders in many, many markets. And the national home builders, the NVR Homes, the Pulteys, the Toll Brothers, you know, DR Horton, other, the ones that we see publicly traded, those guys took off and they became, they really started being the only buyers who had access to enough capital to take down lots and they controlled the home buying process and so, or the home building process rather. And so what we have found and we are, there's no question we're seeing more and more smaller builders coming back to the market. We're seeing people recapitalizing and getting back out there, but we're still in, in most markets in which Nest operates, we're seeing large home builders are building the absolute lion's share of, of homes. And they are changing the way that we build those properties. They are still wanting to have contracts before they build. They're, we're just not seeing the spec homes that are going up at the same rate they were in 2005 and six. And so for a long time, if you look at the economic numbers right after the recession, we were seeing a two to 300,000 home shortage per year and that deficit was becoming a debt, and it's and it became over a million too few homes in America. I mean, this this wasn't this isn't a localized problem. This is a national issue. Yeah. Um, and so household creations continued. People continued graduating from college, getting married, starting families, wanting to go out on their own, and they just didn't have the housing available to them. And they went into their parents' basement, and they went into, you know, the apartments that were available. We've we've seen a huge shortage of multifamily rooftops being built over the last decade. Um, and all of this just leads to a shortage of homes. Um, I think there's some. I think there's some other other factors at play. In particular, when we get interest rates where we have, we've seen more and more of our sellers say, "I'm not going to sell my primary residence. I'm going to hold it as a rental property. I'm going to. Um, I've got. I'll take all my equity out. Use the equity to buy my next house. Have a low mortgage at three percent because we had that for so many years." And they're holding on to their their first home. They're renting it out, and then there's no in new inventory when they go buy another house. Yep, I've had a number of number of clients have done just that, and I think that pulls two houses off the market. Right, which you know is again, I think that you know we're seeing a, a significant shortage. And one of the things that that I'm seeing, and I'm be curious to hear feedback from others um, you know, who listen, what their what their markets are doing. But in the Charlottesville area, it feels like there's less inventory. There's low inventory, so there's no no, no no argument about that. But it feels lower, I think, because a house will come on the market on a Monday as a coming soon, goes live to the MLS and Zillow and Realtor.com on Wednesday, Thursday, and then because there's such a shortage and there's still high demand, offers are accepted until Monday or Sunday or whatever that deadline is, and then those buyers who have three houses came on the market that they like all of them well enough to, to look at and consider – they have to pick one, so for them it feels like there's only, there's not enough houses on the market, even more so, because they have to pick one of the three each week, each week, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And you know, I, was, I did an open house last week at one of my listings, and it was fascinating because I talked to one another buyer who went to a different set of open houses. The buyers were seeing each other at the six open houses that they were all going to. And they're recognizing each other and saying hi to each other. And the buyers I was able to engage with, they were frustrated and they were tired and because they have been doing this for so long. And they're, it's, I, I can imagine it's deeply frustrating to see your competition at every single house. And 
Get mm-hmm. to know them. Yes. <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, look, at Nest, we have an amazing marketing department and they do note cards for every occasion. Right. We have if your clients are having babies, we have note cards for it or engaged or whatever. Last year, our marketing team came out with a note card that had, you know, jackets hanging on a on a coat rack that said, hang in there. And the inside was, we know this has been hard to find a house. We're going to get through this together. And I think the fact that, you know, I what would I love to see in 23 is for people to stop using that card. Like, because it's just, it's it's unfortunate. It's, it's really difficult to watch buyers go through that because it is a really difficult process. And there's just nothing, there's nothing out there for them to look at. No, I mean, you know, we bought our first house in a, in a market that was pretty active, but you know, it wasn't anything like this. And, and you know, the, the couple houses that we bought, um, I can't imagine going in and knowing that there's going to be eight other people that I'm competing with and looking at the list price and just basically throwing in the trash can and saying, what, what can go? I afford? How high can I go? And look, this whole inventory thing is, you know, if, if you went back to, Oh, uh, when we would be, it would be, you know, June of 2020. Right. And you go back to June of 2020. And a lot of us talk about every market's local, every market's local. Almost every market in the country has been almost identical lockstep yes. since, since summer of 2020. And mm-hmm. what's the answer? Or what's the, hey, how's, how's the market? And the answer is there's no inventory and there's more buyers and there's eight offers in a house. And well, I mean, you could take that and you could do that in San Diego, Seattle, Boise, on, all the way down to Charlottesville and any other small town across the country. And it's, it's amazing that that, and it, and it comes down to this, you know, why? And it's this perfect storm. And, and that's really where we are right now. We are in a, and not in a good perfect, but a bad perfect storm of, you know, what happened with rates, what happened with the, with the pandemic. Um, uh, builder uh, production is down and buyer demand is up. And one of the reasons buyer demand is up is I, I think it's because the psychological component of you want, you want what you can't have, right? And so... You don't necessarily want, you may kind of want a house, but if all of a sudden you're told you can't have it, you really want it. Just like when you drive by Chick-fil-A on Sunday, you may not be hungry, but you want Chick-fil-A on Sunday. (laughs) And there's such a huge FOMO on all of this. Yeah. I mean, there's no question. Well, I mean, I think you've seen you know, stories have come out about you know, a large percentage of buyers have, have remorse. Like, buyers remorse after buying within the last two or three years. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm making this up to a certain degree, but now they can't sell because they've got a 3.5 interest rate, yeah. and they're not going to sell even though they have regrets about the house or the location that they that They, they love their payment more than they dislike their house. I, you know, when you go from 2.5%, to 3%, that's a, that's a bit of a difference. Especially when prices are up. from when you refied or when you bought. So yeah, it's, it's a challenge. And the other thing I I think, I think one of the, one of the other psychological aspects that we're dealing with is once again, when you lose a couple times, the mentality is I just want to win. And this is when the buyer buyer's remorse comes in. It's like the house is 500. I lost, I offered 525. Now the house is 525 and I offered 550 and the next house is 550. Well, what do I need to do to win? Because right. I, I, you know, emotionally, I can't go through this again with, with my, you know, with with myself or potentially with my family. Is like I gotta, I gotta get a house, and right. so I gotta end this cycle. And so, 
unfortunately, um, hey, look, if you're a seller right now and you have some place to go, like good for you. But if you're a buyer, it's it's a, it's brutal. What's well, the second piece of that? I mean, I, I, I imagine every agent who, who's productive um, has the same story. I have five, ten potential sellers who I talk to who would love to sell their house. But, but they where do we go? They can't find the next. But would right. they go someplace, or is it? Do they do they have the golden handcuffs of two point six five percent? Because the 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 stat that you threw out earlier about rates was it was uh, I think it's ninety nine percent of American mortgage holders have uh, fixed rates below either four or five percent. I think it's four percent, you know, and a third of American homeowners don't have mortgages. And these aren't the cash buyers that you read about in the news of they came in and paid cash because I I think. There are stats out there, but I would wager that a, a large percentage of those air quotes cash buyers ended up getting loans. But, you know, again, my, my mom, who's lived in the house for 27, 28 years, just paid off her mortgage. You know, she's not a cash buyer, but she is a, a former mortgage holder and she owns her home outright, which is amazing. You know, so I think that it's it's these buyers or these sellers that I have would love to sell for any number of reasons, but they just can't find a place to go. I mean, whether it's downsizing or upsizing or whatever it is, you know, I think that where you're seeing the sellers you come out of the woodwork, if you will, are the ones who got a job offer and they, it's so good. They can't not accept it. Right. So, so that's the question is what are the, you know, we've had throughout the pandemic period and we won't even go back to 2018 where we had more of a balanced market, but, over the last three years, we have seen voluntary purchasers entering the market because they think it's a good financial decision to buy a house or, or a good financial decision to move because they've, the prices have escalated enough that they've got equity they want to utilize to a bigger purchase. What forces the buyer today? What, is, what are those pieces that people can't avoid, right? So like you said, you get a new job in a new market, you have to move. You got to sell your house because you can't afford to own two homes. So now you're gonna you're gonna have to one but it does become inventory and you, and you become a buyer in a new market. Right. What are the other things that that are gonna kind of start lubricating this market a little bit? Life. Yeah. It's it's birth, death, divorce, job, right? And there might be there might be a couple other beyond that. You know, maybe huge windfall, right? Win the lottery, right? Is it, could that be one? <laughs> How far down the line we have to go? But I'd say th those first four that I mentioned are the big ones that. Hey, look! If rates are three percent or they're six percent, like I got to do something because I, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, fall into one of these, one of these buckets. And I and I do think that um, people are becoming acclimated. S some, not all, people mm -hmm. are becoming acclimated to seeing a six in the in the more with mortgage rates, whereas a couple of years ago they would see twos and threes, and like that was you know the norm. Um, for it, but you know, not everybody is used to is is still is is used to seeing the six yet. So they're probably still holding back, saying, "Let me I'm wait for to fives. Let me wait for it to be five, or wait for it to be four. Right? I think it. I think that the the thing that forces a lot of buy, buyers' hands, I think, is they come to the recognition that in order to have agency over their lives and confidence with where they're going to live, they want to make the often very expensive decision to buy a home and shift from renting because they, you know, my clients will tell me, I want to get out of renting. I want to start, you know, saving, you know, creating equity. But also I look back to a client of mine years ago who, you know, we had a long journey to get to, you know, this is you know, probably 15 years ago, but long journey to get to, to the process. But after they bought the home that they're still in, um, 
she wrote me a, an email or a letter, but she said, tears are, are coming down my face as I write this because now I know where my kids are going to go to school because I live in a place that we own and we're never going to leave unless we choose to. And I think that that's the thing that, um, you know, the buyers, a lot of them are looking for. Is they're looking for that place to raise kids or more of my clients, they want to raise their dogs, <laughs> you know, raise their, ca their cats. Um, I have more dog clients than cat clients. But, you know, I think that they choose to be in that place for years. And I think that that is something that is great societally for them, but it pulls inventory off because they're making life decisions for 10, 15, 20 years. And so it just, it goes back to how do we create more inventory to satisfy the demand for the people who aren't going to buy that house? Um, I think it's, it's going to come down to new construction somehow. Okay, so builders right now are not producing enough houses. We're still hundreds of thousands per year below what absorption rates would be. Um, the biggest limiting factor still continues to be lot availability, continues to one of the, if you talk to builders, they'll tell you that it's governmental regulatory costs are, are prohibitive on getting those lots to market. Um, what else can happen? I mean, are, are, how do we get builders to start accelerating? What's, you know, we have a labor issue. We have a materials issue. We have a lot availability issue. We have a financing issue. There's everything is stacked against the new construction getting to a point where we're going to have a level inventory, right? Yeah. I'm pausing because I don't have an answer because you're right. We, 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 I think we need more labor. We need more generational labor. We need more immigration. We need more, availability of of land we need to have you know lots delivered faster and frankly we need prices to come to a point where buyers can afford those too because i think that in our market the, what what's the average cost of new construction is you know is astronomical there there was a gr there was a number i looked at from the national association of home builders uh, a couple of weeks ago that really kind of frightened me that that had the number of families or buyer buyer pods in Charlottesville, Albemarle area that would be priced out of new construction if new construction prices went up by one thousand dollars, right? So we're talking about five eighty, six hundred thousand is the average detached new construction home. A movement of one thousand dollars prices fifty families out of the market. They're there today. They can buy a house tomorrow. They can't if it goes up by one grand. Houses are not going up by one grand. They're no. going up by ten and twenty thousand dollar clips. So we're losing five hundred buyer opportunities when there's that kind of a movement. That's that is just it's frightening to think what that does culturally to a community, what it does just long term socioeconomic, you know, the ability to to start creating wealth and start building equity if we have that many buyers that just can't make the move. No, I mean, I think that we're, you know, one more negative thought, I think, is I think we're going to see continuously shrinking inventory as you have places where they become unlivable. Um, you know, reading a story recently about you know, somewhere, in, um, somewhere out west that the community just doesn't have water. There's full stop. They don't have water. Yeah. And you have places that are being flooded. And you look at Norfolk, it's going to spend a couple billion dollars to, to shore up their shore. Um, so I think we're going to see less available land. But I think on the flip side, you might see people moving to these areas that are less populated today because housing prices are lower. In other I, parts I will of the say, country. but I mean, you know, Jonathan and I were out in Arizona last month um, with our with our 
owner out there for our office in Phoenix. Um, and there's no question, the conversation of water is the absolute hot topic of how does, how does construction get managed? How does population growth get managed? Because it's an ongoing, I mean, that's a huge question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that we really in the East coast, we don't have to face. We have other questions, but that one we get to pass on. Yeah. So I mean, again, I think that the, the, you know, what is it? It's March, April, 2023. Um, inventory is low and it's going to stay low. So I think that the advice to, I think for, for agents, you know, is, is just get better at what you do and get better at helping buyers make life, <laughs> make life decisions. Um, and, and for sellers, it's, you know, it's, you know, counsel them to have life plans so they can go somewhere else if, if they have the opportunity. Um, but I, you know, from, from my, my point of view, I don't see the inventory shortage being solved, um, in the next, you know, six, 18, 46 months. No, I mean, I think there's one thing we've learned from the last couple of years. It's our, our predictions are almost always wrong. So mm -hmm. I'll preface that, but I don't see a way out either. I think that if prices continue to go up, right at a certain point in time people can't buy demand goes down demand goes down and inventory that sits in the market not necessarily on thursday friday saturday sunday as you mentioned earlier when you know that's when the the bulk of listings are sitting right now you know that the inventory is going to be uh, is going to increase and it's going to be it's going to be higher so pricing is a big piece a big piece of it if mm -hmm. rates stay if if prices continue to go up and rates stay the same affordability goes down demand goes down that's one path. And then the other path is, I don't even know what this is. And I hope it doesn't happen because on the last podcast I mentioned, I want, you know, I'm, I would love to have this be a boring market, but is there some other black swan event that comes in and changes the complexion of, of inventory or demand or, or supply? And, and I'm not saying that we need to answer that question now, but I hope not, but something could happen that could really kind of shift the market. It could. I mean, I, I whenever I, I think about the market and just trying to figure out, I think of two two things that different agents said to me years ago. Um, one, he said, I, I said, how's the market? And he said, you know, it, I'm not, he said, I've stopped trying to figure out what's happening in the market because it doesn't matter what I think about why. I know that, you know, the market, you know, it ties into what the next agent told me years ago during the crash. I said, asked her, I said, how's the market? And she said, Jim, the market is. The market is. I, I have buyers who need to buy and I have sellers who need to sell. And so I wake up every day trying to represent my clients. And, you know, her voice is in my head. And, you know, she, she used to be an English teacher. And, you know, I think, you know. Uh, you know exactly. We, you're talking about, yep. And she's, she, and I, that has stayed with me for almost 20 years because the market is. You know, we can talk about the inventory. We can talk about the shortage. We can talk about the rates. We could talk about, you know, any number of things affecting the market, but, you know, the three of us sitting around the table and listeners, for the most part, are not going to be able to affect it. We just have to go out and do our jobs and, and competently represent our clients and look after our agents and, and each other. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, we traded an email a couple of days ago about this, but I, I read this article about shoe inventory. Uh, not, this is clearly not related to real estate, but maybe econ that we're like we're talking about, but shoe inventory, Nike inventory is reaching all time high. Their shoe inventory is reaching all time high and it's like $10 billion of inventory. Their inventory is up 53% in the last three years. Um, you're going to correct me. I'm probably going to say this wrong. Adidas, Adidas. It depends on where you are in the world. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Their inventory is at an all time high too, but they've all come out and said, we're going to solve this problem. How can they solve the problem? They can, 
reduce the price of their shoes, yep. right? They can figure out other distribution channels. So these are like, in look, it's not going to be foolproof, but if Nike says we want to sell these shoes tomorrow, they could reduce the price from $179 to $49 and shoes will sell. Even if I don't need another pair of shoes and I go in and I see these shoes are now, you know, 80% off. I'm like, huh, I might buy another pair of shoes, yeah. right? Doesn't work that way in real estate, right? <laughs> this is a fragmented industry from a seller standpoint. The, the, the home, home builders may be a little bit different, but there's no home builder that is that much of an impact in the market across the country that if they decide to reduce prices by 10,000, that it would drastically increase sales. sales no, right? but in Austin, Texas, they're trying right now. Right. True. I mean, this is and, and I think this does speak to one of the and I'm trying to remember what pod I was listening to recently is talking about the Austin market because they're finding that that sellers of existing homes are having trouble pricing because the builders are so fast to jump on the need to adjust the price to get demand when they realize they're going to have a, a supply issue that the sellers of existing properties can't respond quickly enough because they're not willing to take the loss, right? The builders are willing to give up a builder incentive uh, to, to move their, their properties without lowering price, right? Because and I think that's the, go ahead. Well, because sellers, sellers of, of existing homes are anchored. Right. You know, the builders, they look at their charts and they look at their spreadsheets or whatever, and they're like, all right, we're going to do this yeah. because of this. We're going to limit our loss. I was negotiating a property a couple weeks ago, and... You know, one, they got the price they were asking for. Um, we went in low based on the comps, and my clients were okay with that, and they knew they might lose. And the agent said, well, my clients are really anchored to the to this to this house that sold literally a year ago. Yeah. And they said, we were planning to get that. And I was like, well, my guys are planning to pay less. Right. <laughs> but the seller ultimately got their price. So I think that the sellers, if they hadn't gotten their number, they might not have moved. You know, so, but I think that you, you look at what's happening – with the builders, I mean, they have the, I won't say luxury, but they have the ability to shift much more rapidly. Sure. Up and down. And I think that that's just, you know, that's a component of what the, of what this market is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the, you know, the big question will then become is, you know, do builders build our way out or does the, does the demand start decreasing to, to help us rebuild that inventory? And, and we watch it every day and, and numbers are up, right? We're up about, state of Virginia is up about 20% this year. Um, year over year. But that, you know, while we say that, and that sounds like a great number, the year before that, we were down 20%. The year before that, we were down 40%. The year before that, we were down 20%. So it's, you know, getting up 20% right now is is really just barely starting to scratch the surface of need. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my take is it's, you know, it's going to be a, a kind of a, a perfect storm in the other direction, kind of a slow slog. Um, and 20% is a great first step to get back to the, you know, hopefully a spot where we need 200% though. Yeah. Well, I mean, Which I think hopefully, I mean, look, I hope that doesn't happen overnight. No. Right. That, <laughs> hopefully that's a, that's a couple year period. No. Cause if we get a 200% increase in inventory and in, you know, 60, 90, 120, six months, um, that, the world's going to look a lot so, different. Something happened that, uh, kind of knocked us on our tails again. No, I mean, I, th I think we'll, you know, we can touch on this in a, in, a, in a later podcast, but I think that the changes we're going to see with inventory are going to ch are going to shift over a generation because you're seeing the demographics now. There are fewer households being formed. Mm -hmm. The you know the kids, because I'm 47 apparently, and an elderly gentleman, 
uh, the kids are not living the way you know, we do. You know, they're moving to different areas. They are transporting themselves around differently. So I think, I think that we're going to see a generational shift of inventory, but it's not going to happen you know, in the next three years. But I think that we'll look back. Well, hopefully we won't be doing this in 30 years. <laughs> but in 30 years, agents then are going to look back and say, well, look at that in the 2020s. Huh, that's when things change, or whatever that, that, that event or, t or, or marker is. I think that inventory will be, will be solved in 30 or 40 or 50 years. We can revisit that in episode 9,223 <laughs> in uh, 2023. There you go. 2053, sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know, I think that the, my takeaway is that you know, the market is. You know, the inventory is going to be what the inventory is going to be, and the buyer is going to do what they need to do. It says it all. All right. See you soon. It was good. Thanks, everybody. Listen weeks. to the next one. <laughs>